Hey, this is Dustin Ripto, and somehow I found myself amongst a bunch of sassholes. Welcome to Sassholes. We are revenue ops with an edge. With decades of making interesting decisions, Jamie, Jason, Marcus, and Pete are dedicated to helping aspiring sales leaders accelerate revenues with our no BS approach to sales leadership strategies and tactics. Our show is supported by viewers and listeners just like you on patreon.com slash sassholes. Brent Keltner's Winalytics Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass. In only eight weeks, help your sales and go-to-market team start to build the mindset and skills needed to succeed in the new buyer environment. Weeks one and three, read the book and learn a new approach through 20 successful company stories. Week four, all go-to-market team kickoff and receive self-reflection questions and mindset self-assessment. Weeks five to seven, collaborative sessions with prospecting sales and customer success on the shared journey to a new mindset. Week eight, all go-to-market team presentation and discussion. Winalytics, build the revenue organization you want. Request a free 60-minute growth consultation at winalytics.com. Ask for Brent and say Big Pete sent you. Dustin Ripito from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Welcome to the Sassholes. Chicago says howdy. Tulsa says howdy back. <laughs> so Dustin, I'm trying to keep an eye what eye on what you've been up to. You had you've had some changes uh, pretty recently. Can you give us your background to keep us updated? Unless I do it and get it all wrong. Okay, uh, let me give you the let me give you the whole tech stack spiel here, if you will. Um, so I got into tech sales in 2018 after uh, having kidney failure twice, had a stroke, got my MBA, sold business after 20 years, moved across state, and uh, there's probably some other things in there too, but that's all that comes to mind, and that's plenty. Um, so that's kind of got I navigated this because of kidney transplant. I was looking for something that had good pay and uh, I could work remote because I'll be immunosuppressed after um, my transplant. And I got my transplant 2019, just in time to go to a few conferences for a company uh, that I worked with, a startup I worked with called Quincia and uh, then COVID happened. And so, you know, uh, having, being immunosuppressed during COVID was a ton of fun. I was able to dodge all that stuff until last October, I actually got COVID and they pulled me off all my meds. So I actually went to rejection because of it navigated that and back and hell and hearty and healthy. So that's all great. And then, um, you know, in that time I've worked with, besides Quincia, I worked with the sales bootcamp, a few of those I actually took a little sideline into setting up for hedge funds, setting up their capital raising efforts. So I go in and build out a CRM, build a HubSpot for them and do that. In fact, I got, I got my series three commodities trader license. Cause I thought that was going to be a longer run, but I did that for three, uh, three, three uh, hedge funds. And that went, was interesting. And then I moved into Spectrum Labs um, and I recently left them. I was there, I was navigated like four roles, five roles, depending on how you count and who I reported to uh, when my time at Spectrum. Um, and then now I just joined Order Protection um, as of last week. So, Holy shit, you are grizzled. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I, people ask me, how long have you been in the tech sales? Like, well, not that long by hours, uh, but I've done everything GTM. Um, on the GTM side, everything from customer experience, building out those teams to um, marketing to primarily sales. Kind of what I'm known for is putting process in place. I can make tiny teams deliver outside of the outcomes is one of my little taglines. And and I've been very successful in building out several of those teams, SDRs, ADRs, BDRs, et cetera. So. You, are, you are one guy when the shit hits the fan, you know what the important stuff is. <laughs> Nothing else really matters, you know? 
I want a kidney. I want a kidney. I want to be alive. The rest of it, who gives a shit? I mean, that was, I mean, I've been chasing that experience ever since because what happened was like when you get to that state and you have a four-year-old and you're like, yeah, kid, everything becomes really fucking clear. <laughs> there is no like, there is no like, oh, what should I do this or should I do this? Like, it's like all those big, important decisions in your life just happen. Like, okay, what's next? Okay, we got to go do this paperwork. Okay, great. Now what's next? Okay, we need to go buy a house. Okay, we have three, you know, we have uh, three weeks to find a house. Okay, let's go do that. Um, what's next? Okay, I got a paper to write. Well, that's what dialysis is great for. Uh, if those are not familiar, dialysis is what happens. It's uh, when you have a kidney disease, most people end up in dialysis where uh, it's, I call it surgery at a bus stop three times a week. Um, so it's you, you sit there for three to five hours and they take all your blood out and they filter it and they put it back in. Um, it's it's as lovely as it sounds. Um, but what it was great for uh, turning it to advantage was I was sitting in a chair and I could either watch TV, they, all the little chairs have TVs, or I could write papers and do my MBA work. And that's what I chose to do. So that was it was actually a godsend because I had like, you know, I had 10 to 15 hours a week that I, I couldn't do anything else but sit there and work on my MBA. So that's why I was able to get my MBA out. So, well, so. Holy shit. Yeah. So all the people bitching out there with their, oh, my job sucks. My life sucks. Take a seat. Well, no, I mean, like those things are all true. It's just, well, uh, it's all relative, but is, yeah. you know, compared to you. So, yeah. all right. All right. Enough yeah, of that. Hey, congratulations. Between choosing what happens and, and, and what is inflicted on you. Those are two different skill sets, resilient skill yeah. sets. Like, you know, what happens to you and how you handle it is very different than the challenges you choose to take on. Right. And it all depends who's who's listening or watching. If you're 20, if you're 30, if you're 40, you know, if you're 20, you're invincible. 40 to 50, you're like, hey, wait a minute. Right? So, you know, pay attention. All right, enough of that. Hey, thank, uh, congratulations uh, for still being alive. Uh, yeah. We, well, you're, we, uh, appreciate, <laughs> we, we appreciate that. Yeah, I'd be a really bad guest if I wasn't if I did that. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of dead guests before, <laughs> but their lips are moving. Our bars are bars are uh, the bars up pretty low there. Okay. Well, this is the sassholes, uh, Dustin. So don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> so, so you just got an attack. I mean, big deal. You've been in business a long time. Tech sure. is just a bunch of funny acronyms. Uh, <laughs> what in, in your brief stint in tech? What do you think is the biggest learnings that you've had to understand what's going on in tech? <laughs> this is what's so funny. Is like when I came in, I was like, it was a complete shock to me that, you know, how well a startup is run is is equal or secondary importance to who you borrow money from and how much, right? And it was like, I come from a small business background, you know, I've had one for 20 years. I sold some boot camp, fitness boot camps in the meantime there. So I've done a lot of that kind of work and small business. And you, you know, you have to be efficient and you have to be effective and you got to get things done and, or you don't eat. And uh, when I came in, it's like, man, there's just so much waste. Like what, why are we doing it this way? It's like, oh, we have to hire this person because the, the board or the investors have to have like that a successful companies looks like X. So we have to look like X, even though we don't have the talent or the really the need for that to be the case. Right. So like the, that lesson I learned, uh, I'm still learning probably, but I've learned a dozen times over, like talking to companies and advising them and 
And then as well as just like working them, it's like, why are we having this role? Like, why is that person in that role? Nothing against them, but like, like that's not what we need and that's not what they can do. Um, but I, I forgot about board optics or as I like to call it uh, board theater, you know? <laughs> yeah. The socialization of the board. I mean, it's a catch 22. You need the money, but in order to get the money, you have to do this politicking shit and it's not what's best for the business as a whole. It's, it's yeah. best to keep the business running, I guess. So yeah, pick, I pick had a whole model that Marcus and I talked about and we kind of built out that was like, how do you get rid of middle managers? Right. Because like, you know, like middle chat GPT. That's a, that's a role. That's a, that's a rabbit hole. We can go down if you want to. Oh, we will. We will. Uh, but <laughs> but I was thinking about this model and I had it worked out like, oh, this is pretty cool. I think this will work. I bounce it off uh, people way smarter than me. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. But there's one big flaw. And the flaw is this. Like if I go in and I pitch to investors going like, hey, here's my product. And they buy in on the product and go, okay, like, how are you going to run this thing? And I go, I got this revolution new idea. We won't have middle managers how it works. They're going to go, eh. Because <laughs> that's to start selling them on two ideas, not one, right? You know? And so it'll never happen. That And that trigger caused me to realize that, oh, uh, most leadership teams on startups, if they have investors in a board, they're middle managers. Like, you know, the executive leadership are middle managers because like our audience, our customers aren't our customers. Our customers are upstream. Right. Our customers are the board. Like, oh, uh, we're, we're playing to them. And so, you know. Well, we, we we started with the rabbit hole, Chat GPT, and, and what I believe it's going to do, I mean, hey, look, everybody's got a guess, right? It's a it's a hyped up chatbot, okay? But I think it forces the board's executive leadership to really critically think, hey, if this scenario happens, how do we act? If this scenario happens, how do we act? And nobody ever wants to answer that question. Right. Yeah, no one wants to do that. Uh, uh, there's a stoic exercise, right, where the contemplation of woes, right, premeditated yeah. Like, it's like when you worry about the bad shit, so you don't have to worry about it when it happens. You know, you worry about the bad shit when things aren't bad, right? And then you do that. But yeah, I think, no, I agree that no one knows where it's going, you know, and I, I have a few guesses, but I know one thing is that a single person, if they're skilled and cyber enabled, if they can be a one-man GTM or one-woman GTM team right now. Um, yeah. I know that's true because my last four months at Spectrum, that's effectively what it was. Zero resources opening a new market, and it was just me. So, um, uh, so I'm very, very aware that it can happen. It's not ideal, but it's, we're going to see a rise of that. Also, I think that it's, it doesn't matter what happens. I think we're all preparing for either jobs we don't, that don't exist yet, or B, the, the titles mean something completely different in yeah. four years, right? And so that's why I focus so much on meta skills, like for like young folks who are coming into the space, like SDRs, especially who I, I had a huge, like, I made a huge push to bring folks in. I kind of put that on pause to text <laughs> like until I see what happens. Cause like, I don't like what's happening with the SDR model right now where folks oh. go, I can just buy this bot and replace SDR. Like, I don't think that's what the best move is. Um, you, but, you, hold on. You brought up SDRs. Is that under marketing or sales or yes? Yes. Whatever it needs to be depends on, actually, I think it depends on how tight, closely tied you are to your customer success team. Uh oh, what does that mean? Fair enough. We'll get into that if you want to, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that's that's really where I think it is. It's just how do you how do you build those meta skills or those kind of foundational skills that'll be transferable to whatever job you go into, right? 
like in it, it's pretty interesting thing is like be like things like persuasion the ability like autodidactic so like the ability to self-learn um vitality like how much energy can you show up with because you're gonna need that um your ability to like install heuristics that means like short-term and long-term uh short-term habits and then long-term kind of like you know philosophy as far as like gain you know so you give up the short-term for long-term but all these things are meta skills or transferable skills that i think reps should be working on right now because if the middle managers do go away from ai or whatever happens happens then you need to be marketable and how you're going to do that is be able to like fill a spot and and take care of it very quickly I think everybody's going to have to turn into a salesperson, meaning that we're all going to have to be very skilled at asking the right questions, or we're all going to, we're going to be prompt engineers, right? I would go, I mean, that's always true, but I think that's, I think that's a good point about prompt engineers. Like, you know, is a $340,000 salary job. That'll be a $38,000 job in five years, right? Um, But like a chief revenue officer. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the but no, I, I would I would take it not salespeople as much. I think it would be I think the model really is think about the best customer service or customer experience person you've ever known. Think about the absolute care they took care of your 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 clients. That's what we need. We need service from first touch, and then we the most important metric in this space to my mind is why do they turn or why do they stay? Their customer's not a customer until they renew. Because that's when you well, deliver the promise, not when you close them. It's, it's, that, it's that. It's when they choose to stay with you or to move on. That tells you product market fit. That tells you, you know, what do we need to change? Like how it goes to product, like what do we need to change? If you get that right, the messaging gets better. Marketing messaging gets better. And then your conversion rates and sales goes up because like you're having better messaging, you have better targeting. So I think it's not the sale. Everyone needs to get a sale. I think everyone needs to be like very, very good at that customer experience delivery. From the first touch, and that includes some discovery type sales language, of course, and questioning. I come back with, well, if you have a shitty product, you need really good salespeople and really good customer care. If you have a really good product, you don't need really good salespeople or really good customer care. I kind of thought first point though, man, because the first point just means all you can do is like we can sustain, but like the debt's inevitable, right? Because it's it's the customer success people are expensive. So you're, if you get to like buy, keep mind customer success folks because your product sucks and not because you have more customers to take care of, I don't know if that's a winning proposition. That's a that's a fucking band aid, like you know. So, <laughs> well, and, if, uh, you, if you spend more money, you'll just go out of business faster, right? You know, you market you market heavier, you're just going to go out of business faster because you're promoting that you suck. Well, here we could go again with uh, if you have really bad sales operations and really bad recruiting, you just have to have really good training. <laughs> yeah, Where, right. wherever, whatever hole you want to pull apart, right? You know, yeah, right, right, right. Be, it's almost like it would be great if everything worked good, right? And you know what? It can. It, can. it, it really can. It's just there's always, uh, what is it, the theory of constraint. There's something holding us all back, and it's not addressing like you said earlier, these bad situations ahead of time, you know, like the, like the, the best agreements that are signed are the ones that have been hashed and fought out and gone over, you know, every scenario, nobody's happy and it's done. I mean, yeah, that's what boards and executive leadership should be doing. Uh, Here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I, I guess where I'm going with it is you have the investors Okay, which have you know a hand on the rudder, mm-hmm. and 
they say, you know what, you can do 20% growth, but it's, I don't think we can do 20%. Yes, you can. Okay, great. Let me give, let me give the CEO a number that's not attainable. Then the CEO gives it to his people. Then it adds fudge and wiggle room in there. And then whoever's at the bottom of this triangle gets fucked. So this takes me back to order protection and why I'm here, right? This is my yeah. first time in IC. I've never, I've never, I was at SDR for like a week and a half before I moved to start managing, you know, I became director of partnerships, whatever my title was there uh, then at Quincy, but like, so I've only been like a IC for like, you know, three weeks, you know, and I, this little stint, it lasted a spectrum effectively was, but like I still had a manager title. But I, I went in as a sales rep, I went in as an AE um, at Order Protection for a very specific reason. A, because I wanted to develop that meta skill of, you know, full cycle selling. You know, I've, I've sold a lot. I've had hung some big logos. I've had some uh, success I didn't deserve just because people tend to trust me, not because I'm skilled. I want a chance to skill to upskill. And Brian uh, uh, Seltzer is there as the VP, and he's the one that brought me in. And what's great about Brian is he said this when we're going over the comp plan. So I asked the question you're always supposed to ask, right? Is this attainable, right? Who's doing this, right? You know what he told me? This is funny. He goes, um, I design comp plans so winners get to win because when winners win, they win more. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, I know you're married, but like, and I'm married, but you know, I'll propose because like, like I've never, I've never seen that besides like what I did with my SDR teams where like I took away quotas and just put targets like, you know, and just showed them how to hit it. You know, um, that was it, you know, it's like, you don't. And so there's, that's a difference, right? So if you, if you have a good leader that can kind of down manage, right. That can yeah. manage the strengths and then, and figure out like, how do you keep people winning? Then everything's better. you recruit better people. Good people are going to stay. Everything gets better because winners like to win. I'm cringing, Dustin, because going back to the board and the investors, it's yeah. how. <laughs> what does winning mean? Like, <laughs> what <laughs> on a bell curve? What <laughs> what is the percentage of likelihood this outcome is going to happen? Uh, how many people do you want to achieve quota? That's the one question nobody can answer when they do a, a comp plan. How do you know it's right? Well, after. Looking back in history, if we get X amount percentage, nobody can answer that question. And you know what? There's a I I do a survey every month at the uh, first quarter of the year, and I think it started out January one. Sixty uh, percent of the companies that that employees at the companies responded to me that said they didn't have their quota yet. Forty percent was February. And the last one I did was 20% don't have their, their quota yet. What the F is it? What the fuck is going on? And if that's the case that, look, we don't know what the numbers are, then why do you have this pay at risk? Why don't you just pay everybody a salary that is market? Look, uh, the salespeople, the really good salespeople, they're going to want these high targets. Okay, great. What What's that OTE? guaranteed but you have to bring in this amount of money in this time period end of story move on can you unpack all that dustin no <laughs> <laughs> no i can't all right what, we, we, can, we, can, yeah, we can we can tease it apart though i mean i think it's gonna go case by case basis here right you know let's start with salary why don't we pay salespeople salary why, why, why not? because yeah. people still are under the impression that money motivates and the the, the, the psychology is very clear if you're building widgets 
and you want someone to make more widgets. And so I think like a, a like a low skilled SDR, entry level SDR, where they're just making cold calls from a script could call it possibly qualify here. But when when the task is simple, you could pay more money and people will be more motivated. Where I run into a problem a lot, and why I don't like spiffs a whole lot, uh, especially at enterprise level, is uh, is in a complicated process like enterprise sell. If you throw more money at a problem, it's proven that it demotivates, not motivates, because suddenly everything has a value to it. It's, it's weird, you know, and you ask any person on the planet, do you want more money or less money? Or does money motivate you? And they'll go, yeah, well, yeah, it does. But this, it's actually not true. You know, but, but Dustin, you brought up the, the enterprise level. If you if you put a spiff out there, more often than not, you have these long, complex sales cycles. They don't have any influence based on the work they did in the past. Right. So what's a spiff exactly. going to do? Nothing. It's just going to make them feel bad. Or if someone has already lined up well, it's going to reward the people. Yeah. Who are right. Yeah. And so, so no, I don't uh, I don't dig them. And so why do you not pay salary? Man, there's me up and sold like most of my uh, tenure in this space. I'd love it. Like right now, I'm, I'm happy with the comp plan. But like most of them, I would have loved to have just a salary. because I'm not going to work any harder or different. Plus, because I'm always getting dragged away and doing multiple things. Right. You know, um, so. Well, that's that issue that, you know, the, the question they have to ask is, you know, what, how many hours do you want the salespeople to work? How much revenue do you want them to bring in? They can't answer that. They just want to throw this arbitrary number out there that say, well, you know what, I'm going to throw this dart at the wall. Maybe we'll hit it. Maybe we won't. And I think it's because it looks good on paper when every, everybody puts their uh, their plan together at budget time. And if you pay everybody's salary, it looks more expensive. So we can't do it that way. So we're going to make it look less expensive by having this pay at risk out there that only 5% of the people are going to hit. Yeah. Board Theater Act 2 right there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So that's why I'm doing a podcast, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but, no, well, I, you know, yeah. well, we got 20 year olds that are listening and they got to know this stuff exists along the way. Cause number one, if you know it's going to happen, you can, if you if you have the gumption, you can take control of it, and it kind of gets rid of the anxiety. You know it's going to happen. If you turn 30, you know this is going to happen. You turn 40, here's what's going to happen. And the example would be working at a growing company versus one that isn't growing and is a cash cow and private equity is coming in and cutting it and, and milking every Two separate uh, types of cultures, right, Dustin? Very much so, right. So yeah. ba ba back to your learnings over the last three years <laughs> for technology, <laughs> the business that you had before and this quote unquote technology business, what are the big learnings? Not so much the company that you're at now, because I mean, you're still, you're yeah, in so, the hun still honeymoon period, like honeymoon that. period. Right, right, right. But uh, what people that are out there say, you know what, what is so fancy about this tech stuff? Because people like to make things more complicated so they can make themselves more valuable. So when they talk in acronyms that, you know, in code that only others will know, they'll feel better. Yeah. But that's my learnings. What's yours? Uh, I think that uh, that that's accurate, that we have, we're very uh, jingoistic and uh, jargon heavy over in this space. And um, if you go one step outside of the space, you can be really impactful to companies is what I've noticed, right? Because uh, we tend to we tend to be a little bit ahead um, as far as like technology and process goes, because um, you have to be. I think other learnings from there is um, 
is that don't sign on, you, you know, you, you start, a, you start a career in tech sales. You know, we don't have the same stigma that there used to be about, like you say, a job for 18 months and like, I'm just the best to move. And you view yourself as an entrepreneur. I think anybody young out there listening is like, you know, take care of the meta skills, take care of those kind of fundamental traits. that will serve you either way. Don't worry so much about title. Don't worry so much about charting a path other than just being really ready and just squeezing everything you can out of every opportunity you have. And then see what happens. Because right now, like charting a path, like, you know, could you imagine being 22? Um, you're going to get into tech sales because like it's lucrative and you can work remotely and people still think that means in your pajamas. No, that's wrong. Um, and you're doing this. Could you imagine like, okay, I'm going to chart my, my career plan for the next 10 years. Good luck. Good luck. I mean, like it, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like you have to squeeze whatever opportunities in front of you for all it's worth. Right. You, you can't stay at a company, I don't, insert number, more than five years. What's the magic number, Dustin? Because you're only val I, I more feel, valuable. I feel three. I feel three is kind of the number. Yeah. Right? Three is kind of the number. And uh, just looking around at the folks I talk to and see, um, it's it seems like three is the number when you when you hit. If you're an IC and attached to revenue. If you're not attached to revenue, then, you know, good luck. But whatever that means. Yeah. But um, if you're attached but to revenue, three years seems to be a sweet spot. Yeah, you can't be at 20 years at one place anymore because <laughs> you know I've seen a lot of SDRs uh, if they're if they're talented. I've seen a lot of SDRs like go in six months one place, you know, three to six months one place. They get hired in another for another better role, effectively, right? Because now they have experience, um, and then they stay in the second place like a year to eighteen months, you know. And if they get promoted, they stay. If they don't get promoted, then they're going to move on, right? And so that's just a really common pattern from bringing on so many like you know people from outside tech space into the space. Job hopping isn't a thing anymore, right? Nobody cares. It's not. We're all we're all mercenaries. We're all running, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you know, my my little saying right now is uh, you know uh, serve no master, but the flow of opportunity, right? Man, you are the wordsmith. Uh, There's a reason. Why do you learn that in Tulsa? Background. Chad, give me something smart to say. And then <laughs> Okay. Uh, where can we go back to uh, shed some light on some of the things you got going on currently, Dustin? Sure. Uh, uh, since we're talking about AI, we can go there. Yeah. Uh, I just launched a Gen AI newsletter, uh, which is going to be focused on e-commerce uh, startups, solopreneurs, and side hustlers, and giving them the AI tools that they need to uh, be more successful. Uh, I'm passionate about this Gen AI space. It's moving very rapidly. So I thought, well, the easiest way for me to stay in it is to, you know, deliver that information to others. And so that's why I'm doing that and bringing on some guests and stuff for that as well. Um, so I have that uh, launched. It's on Medium um, and uh, launched that recently. Um, of course, I'm now at Order Protection, uh, which I'm very excited about it's for anybody in the e-commerce space. Okay. What is Order Protection? Yeah. So... What we do is from warehouse to home, we deliver like a white glove post-purchase customer experience. So think about like, like think about Amazon. Like, you know, when you, like when you wanted to return something from Amazon or something, like how easy they make it, right? You click a button, right? And then you go to Kohl's or Whole Foods and drop it off in the box, okay? Or like DoorDash, when DoorDash gets something wrong, you just go, oh, I didn't order this or hey, this didn't come in. They refund it, right? Now imagine that instead of having to deal with like FedEx or UPS, like, the delivery or return process because the package was damaged or stolen. Imagine having like, you don't, have to, you don't have to download an app. You just go right to the, you know, you go right to your order. There's a number there. You poke it, you can chat, you can text, or you can call. 
And then within minutes, not hours, either having a new product center or you have a refund. That's simple. And this is- That was easy. Like that was easy. Story. Exactly. I mean, that's beautiful, right? And that, you know, because like 50% of folks will leave a negative review if they have a bad delivery experience. So imagine how much you can protect these small e-commerce shops by not having that, right? By, you know, by having like this, this protection and getting covered. And then they're immediately taken care of and uh, the brand reputation is protected. So it's just that simple. So it's a matter of tracking the numbers to see what people are beefing about to fix the uh, broken gear. Yeah. Like how, how, yeah. 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 It's just a, you know, and the best part about it is like, it's typically we do a revenue share. So like it doesn't cost the, our brands that we protect anything like it's past the customer and the customer uh, will, you know, happily pay for it. 69% of folks will pay for extra protection, especially if something's like significant. And so it's just, it's that insurance from warehouse to home with anything that goes wrong, you know, and you um, have to sign a three-year agreement. 75 years. <laughs> what do you think of? No, it's, you know, we're, we're still at the stage where it could be very imaginative with terms. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah that, okay. Let's go there because yeah. this SDR thing, you take kids out of school and give yeah. them a list and say, do this. And this turns, instead of making phone calls, they just send a bunch of spammy emails mm -hmm. that aren't very controlled. Yeah. And it affects and the brand. By the way, AI will make that worse. I don't use AI to write emails because remember, chat downloaded 11% of the internet. It didn't download the best 11% of the internet. So all right. I do the fat, ugly media. So don't, don't, don't do that, but use it for research. Yes. Use it for uh, role play. Yes. Don't use it for, get, for ideas. Maybe, but don't just let it write your emails for you. So please. Or, or, or your LinkedIn posts. Oh, that was witty. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you said it to all your your network hey please like this and make comments on it <laughs> yeah. what is that uh <laughs> that, that's that's the death of linkedin is what that is and i love yeah. LinkedIn. i met some of the best people in my life there uh uh present company excluded but yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly well that's why we're the assholes <laughs> but uh it's you know it's uh it's probably the death of it is that what will happen right so yeah. It's, it's well, I think now, so. I, I think the mixture of LinkedIn, Excel, and ChatGPT, putting that together, I think that's going to knock out HubSpot, HubSpot, and and Salesforce, and all those, yeah. all these bolt-on things. Uh, yeah, I think I think Notion is set to be a, a big player because of, of its uh, adaptability. I think it could be it could be that omni system that HubSpot tries to be. Right, and I'm a big HubSpot. Yeah. No, I hey, they're the tallest midget out there, or short person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we are the we are we are the sassholes. But uh, now, what, what Stanford? What they do? They came out. They spent six hundred bucks, and they said, you know what? We're going to make our own uh, chat GPT. And everybody throws out the chat GPT. It's a fancy fucking chat bot. Okay, man. Pretty. Everybody's fancy. right. It. <laughs> chatbots have been going around. Oh, I want to say, I myself personally, I was working on it to put in my business six years ago because uh -huh. what I wanted to do was get rid of these recurring low-value questions that uh, an SDR was turning around and asking the manager. And 
chat with this thing that'll give you the quick answer versus turning around and talking. So you could increase the span of control from eight to ten to sixteen to twenty in a in a learning in, in environment. And then count all the questions that come up, share that with the trainer and say, look, this is what your training should be because these are what the questions are. Yeah. It, it never got to that. Yeah, I, I really want something very similar right now. And the text there, I'm just waiting for somebody to put together. I even met with some companies that are adjacent, trying to figure out if, A, they give me a license for like a you know cohort instead of having a company. And then yeah. B, trying to figure out if they're going to get here and it doesn't seem they're going right. to. But what I would love is imagine this. Imagine waking up Monday morning, you got a big sales meeting on Thursday afternoon. And, you know, I'm going to go and I'm trying to sell to Pete. So what it's going to do is I wake up Monday morning. I have a bot that will help me role play with role play 14, 13 times. And I mean, tie in course or don kind of label technology, not just the, I can do it right now. I have, a, I have recipes right now in Jasper and uh, prompts and, and GPT yeah. that like I could build out like some scenarios for like written discussion back and forth, but like no I objections. Wanna, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see like a version of Pete talking to me. You, we, we have a like crystal nose. Where oh, you no, you don't. Disc, disc profile. Right. And I'm not, I'm not associated or making money from that, but I'm just saying like you can pull like information from people's profile. So like, I want to have, I want to have with the discussion with Pete who is cranky, hasn't eaten all day. I want to have the one that just got laid and he's happy. Like I want to yeah, have yeah, yeah. Tune, like, you know, his mood, uh, through all that stuff and then and be able to practice not just with myself or with a, a colleague but like practice with some facsimile of pete 13 14 times before i actually get to that meeting and like as our friend marcus will say like you know we owe it to them to be well prepared so like i don't think it's cheating i just think it's like you're showing up very well prepared is that going to be reality no not certainly not the first versions but like how much better would your reps be at delivering if you're actually practicing that over and over again like it would be amazing you know I mean, both of us can agree that nothing's better than role play for somebody just starting out because doing it over and over and over, that's experience and getting beat up. Yeah. Take your, yeah. It feels like you to have your pants pulled down every time. Right, right, like, right. right, no, matter right. How, no matter how skilled you are or how advanced you are, like when you get in that room and it's time to do it with a bunch of other peers, it's like, it always sucks. But guess what? That's part of the skill too, is learning that it sucks and you can keep moving. And that's where the mid-levels, you know, sales enablement, the marketing, all that stuff. Keep your head on the swivel, guys, gals, because that's get that's getting replaced. I think for the better, yeah. if you if you can move those people into, you know, okay, prompt engineers. Yeah, I try to move to uh, enablement briefly, and I was like, I. Uh, and then I realized the best enablement I've ever received is having just a, a quality fucking sales leader. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's it. It wasn't, it wasn't like, like they, they came and said a certain thing, but they just modeled it. And then they had realistic expectations and they were actually there to help not to be yeah. a dashboard warrior, you know, like just, you know, this number's lower than that number. Yeah. Thank you, asshole. What I, how can I help, you know, do about it. Right. Um, well, no, let's put, let's put this burned out sales rep in the training position. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's our society, though, right? We always get elevated to the level of our incompetence, right? If we're good at, if we're good at, principle, yeah. we're going to manage with, you know, we're going to be managed with, right? And so, like, I think, uh, so I'll look briefly at that direction. I think you're right. I think that's that middle tier because it's a band aid. Like, you know, we're, what we need to get to is like how, like, the, all the tech is faced at what? It's all the tech is faced at managing people, right? It's, it's focused like on numbers, right? 
how do you get shit out of your reps way is the better question. Like, how can you enable the enablement needs to come from the tech stack and the process stack? The process needs to enable your humans to flourish. So it needs to be it needs to be rep up, not like demanding things on the rep down. I think it's get the shit out of the way of the people trying to buy your product. Well, that would be nice too, right? Like, let's, let's put as much friction as possible. Make sure they really earn it. Like, we really want them to earn it. We don't like just let anybody be a customer here. You got to earn this shit. So, well, it's like all you know. People are crying out there. Oh, my customer wants out of the three-year contract. I go, if the product was really working that good to expectations, why the fuck would they want out of it? And it goes back to my point earlier. Like, you have to have that that churn. Why they churn and why they stay is the most is the most important number, I think. So. And again, it goes back to the, you know, the early days of the investors that come in answering these questions. And I think it's going to force something going forward that we're going to have to be more objective. Uh, you know, these founder led companies that eventually get that series A, B and C. Uh, I, I, I think we're going to force the issue that, you know, why are, why are you investing? What are the expectations? What if this happens? What if this happens? What are you going to do? role play the damn scenario and i guess what you're going to say at the end of all this is i just need the fucking money <laughs> or i'm going broke all right <laughs> that, that's the best prompt ever i'm broke help me right that's the best <laughs> i'm broke help me oh dustin you are a perfect asshole man how, how are people going to learn more about you where, where uh, should we yeah. point them LinkedIn until uh you know until I get kicked off for saying that the that the LinkedIn is those those chatbots but uh LinkedIn is still a great place to get a hold of me um you look me up on Medium my handle there is now grow um, but those uh, either of those places is an ideal spot so we'll have everything in the show notes Dustin thank cool. you so much for coming on to Sassholes thank you man our show is supported by viewers and listeners just like you on patreon.com slash sassholes. Brent Keltner's Winalytics Revenue Acceleration Playbook Masterclass. In only eight weeks, help your sales and go-to-market team start to build the mindset and skills needed to succeed in a new buyer environment. Weeks one to three, read the book and learn a new approach through 20 successful company stories. Week four, all go-to-market team kick off and receive self-reflection questions and mindset self-assessment weeks five to seven collaborative sessions with prospecting sales and customer success on the shared journey to a new mindset week eight all go-to-market team presentation and discussion winalytics build the revenue organization you want request a free 60-minute growth consultation at winalytics.com ask for brent and say big pete sent you